because I just hurt my head. In fact, I was telling my students this today. You know, and they're 17, 18 years old. And so I'm, so I'm speaking like I know what I'm talking about. And so I started talking about, you know, if infinity plus a million still infinity. And, infin- you know, minus what, exactly what Moreland was saying. And then one of my students said, I don't understand. Can you explain it another way? <laughs> I gave him detention. Um, <laughs> I said, no, I can't explain it another way. Okay, so, so, so think about God being eternal. And here's the, here's the kicker, I guess, the application is you will, once you came into your mother's womb, once the egg and the sperm made you, you will never not exist. Ever. You will be around 10 million years from now. One of two locations, you will be around. You will never not exist. So if that's a motivation for having good self-esteem, um, you better start to like yourself. Because you're with yourself forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, turn to Second uh, Peter. Go to the New Testament real quick. Second Peter 3. Um, New Testament, we'll go to Second Peter. Way in the back, go past James. Hit the Peter's. 2 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 8. 2 Peter 3, look at verse 8. 1 Peter, 2 Peter, uh, verse 8, chapter 3. Peter says, But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. There's an attribute of God, there's an aspect of God where God sees all time um, equally. And I don't get it, I don't understand it. Um, I have something on PowerPoint here. Um, God saw creation, uh, the life of Christ, he sees this year, he sees the final judgment, he sees eternity, he sees it all at the same time. And is working in our present day and age. God's a sovereign God. Meaning we don't disrupt his will. He doesn't need us to make a plan. I hope Greg prays today so I can heal somebody. That's not God. God invites us along to participate in his will. But he does not need us to fulfill his will. And yet somehow God actively works in your life and in my life right here, right now, 2013 at 7.30 at night. How do you understand that? How do you make sense of that? And guys, this is where I'm saying have some sensitivity toward the agnostic or the atheist because at some point they may have woken up and struggled with that. And their conclusion was, therefore, because I can't understand it, God can't exist. It's easier for me to believe that this is all there is that the things I can see with my five senses or prove empirically with data rather than have faith that there is a God that I can't comprehend. Um, go to, sorry, go to Psalm 139 real quick. Middle of your Bible. Psalm 139. Do you know, do you, is this the God 
that we worship on Sundays? Is this the God we just sang to a half hour ago? Psalm 139, look at verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? David's crying out. Where can I flee from your presence, God? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light will, around me will be night. Even if the darkness is not dark to you, the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and night are alike to you. In other words, we're speaking of God's omnipresence here. Um, there is an attribute of God that he can be. He, do, he doesn't have spatial size or dimension. But rather, John 4 talks about God being a spirit. And so he's present at every point in space, though he's not in things, that would be pantheism, but rather God is in every point in space with his whole being. And yet, here's the, here's the cool thing, God acts differently in different places. Do you realize that over here, same time of day, God could heal someone over here, hear someone's prayer over here, receive worship over here, all at the same exact time? One God can do all of that. Who is this God we worship? Um, let me just give you one more then. Um, let's go to John 3.36. Go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 verse 36. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 3. Look at, uh, look at verse 35 and 36. The Father loves the Son. And has given all things into his hand. He who believes the son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. This God that is omnipresent. That this God that is loving us unconditionally. John 3.16 also is a God that abhors sin. This is also a God that displays his wrath, not just on sin, but on sinners. Because he's a holy God. Who is this God that you and I worship? And so the reason I bring this up, guys, I guess, is just to highlight the fact that in this setting, it's very easy to champion, well, of course God exists. Okay, I'll give you that. But what God exists? Do you know this God? And I think it's well within our right as his creation to come up to the line but not cross over the line of asking him, who are you? I don't get you. I don't understand you. You confuse me at times. I think God allows for that. I think he welcomes that. I think it puts us in a teachable moment. Crossing the line would be, and therefore... Let me raise my fist to you and tell me who I think you are. That's crossing the line. That's disrespectful. So I think it's fine to come up to the line. And I think many of us guys are way over here. In, in a land of ignorance, if I could be so bold. I know God exists. I know he saved me. But I really just don't know a whole lot about him. He's inviting you to his home forever. I think we need to be good guests. I think we need to enter into our, our, our heavenly dwelling saying, God, this is your abode. 
And you've invited me to come live with you forever. And for as much as I could, God, whether you gave me 10 years or 20 years or 50 years or 80 years, I tried to get to know my heavenly father because I knew I was going to live with him forever. Um, Do we know this, God? I'm not suggesting that God's not complicated, um, obviously. He's very, very complicated. And I'm not suggesting just because he's complicated then we throw our hands up and say, well, therefore I can't know this, God. Of course we can know this, God, in a very personal way. But at the end of the day, we have choices to make, which is because I'm confused by what is happening around me, I choose to believe God doesn't exist. Or because I'm confused by what is around me, I believe there is enough evidence, Dr. Moreland's three points, and I'll have one more for you, that God does exist. Either way, I'm challenging you tonight to tell your friends, you have to step out in faith on one of these. Um, Regarding this particular video uh, called Expelled, and again, it's not, it's not your let's kick back with some popcorn and watch this, but if you have some time, has anyone seen it, by the way? Okay, number of you, okay. Um, it is a documentary. I thought it was well done. And basically, Ben Stein, many of you know him from the Visine commercials, and um, he just wants to ask the question, is there an intelligent designer? So that's what this whole movie's about. He gets to the end of the movie, and he interviews Richard Dawkins. Now, Richard Dawkins is a world-renowned um, atheist and has championed that for many years and has made a lot of money off of that actually that that god does not exist and he's kind of a a bully about it to the to the degree that if you believe god does exist um you are what dr Moreland referred to is you are seriously leaning on a crutch so ben had, ben stein had a chance to interview richard dawkins i want to take a look at at this interview And let's hear from one of the world-renowned atheists as to, well, how did this all happen then? Listen to what his answer is. Obviously, I couldn't take down the wall myself, but I could confront one of its modern architects. psychotic delinquent invented by mad, deluded people. No, I didn't say quite that. I said something rather better than that. Oh, well, please tell us what you said. Please tell us what you said. Well, I would have to read it from, from, from the book. No, please. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Jealous and proud of it. A petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak. A vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. So that's what you think of God? Yeah. How about, how about if people believe in a God of infinite lovingness and kindness and 
forgiveness and generosity, sort of like the modern day God. Why spoil it for them? Oh, um, why not just let them have their fun and enjoy it? I mean, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. I, I write a book; people can read it if, if they want to. Um, I believe that it is a liberating thing to free yourself from primitive superstition. So, religion is a primitive superstition. Oh, I, I think it is. Yes. So, uh, you believe it's liberating to uh, tell people that there is no God? I think a lot of people, when they give up God, feel a great sense of release. Uh, and freedom. Why do you think that? I mean, what's your well, dad? What's your scientist? What's your dad? I think. Well, I've had a lot of, of letters saying that. And I've, there are eight billion people in the world, yeah, Doctor yeah, Dawkins. How many letters yeah, do you have? No, I haven't done that. that, that quite, quite true. Professor Dawkins seemed so convinced that God doesn't exist that I wondered if he would be willing to put a number on it. Well, it's hard to put a figure on it, but but I I, I mean I put it as something like you know. 99% against or something. Well, how do you know it's 99% against, say, in that 97? No, I did. you asked me to put a figure on it, and I, it, I'm not comfortable putting a figure on it. I think it's, I, I just think it's very unlikely. What? But you couldn't put a number on it? No, of course not. So it, it could would be, be 49%? Well, I, it would be, I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's unlikely, but, but I, but, and it's quite far from 50%. How do you know? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I put an argument in the book. Well, then who did create the heavens and the earth? Why do you use the word who? You see, you, you, you immediately beg the question by using the word who. Well, then how did it get created? Well, um, by a very slow process. Well, how did it start? Nobody knows how, how it started. We know the kind of event that it must have been. We know the sort of event that, that must have happened for the origin of life. And what was that? It was the origin of the first self-replicating molecule. Right. How did that happen? I told you, we don't know. So you have no idea how it started? No, no. no, no nor has anybody. Nor has anyone else. What do you think is the possibility that their that intelligent design might turn out to be uh, the answer to some issues in uh, genetics or in well, evolution? It could come about in the following way. It could be that uh, at some earlier time, somewhere in the universe, a civilization evolved by probably some kind of Darwinian means to a very, very high level of technology and designed a form of life that they seeded onto perhaps this, this planet. Um, now, that is a possibility and, a, and an intriguing possibility. Mm -hmm. And I suppose it's possible that you might find evidence for that if you look at the, um, at the detail, details of biochemistry, molecular biology, you might find a signature of some sort of designer. Wait a second. Richard Dawkins thought intelligent design might be a legitimate pursuit? Um, and that designer could well be a higher intelligence from elsewhere in the universe. Well, but that higher intelligence would itself have had to have come about by some explicable or ultimately explicable process. It couldn't have just jumped into existence spontaneously. That's the point. So, Professor Dawkins was not against intelligent design, just certain types of designers, such as God. So, the, the Hebrew God, the God of the Old Testament, he doesn't exist in your view? Uh, certainly. I mean, that would be a very unpleasant pro prospect. And uh, the trend, holy trinity of the no, New Testament? Nothing, nothing like that. Do you believe in any of the uh, Hindu gods? Like How can you ask such a question? You don't, How, right? how could I? I mean, why, why would I, given that I don't believe in any others? You don't believe in the Muslim God? No. 
Why do you even need to ask? Well, I just wanted to be sure. So you don't believe in any God anywhere? Any God anywhere would be completely incompatible with 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 anything that I've said in in I, I, assume, I, I just wanted to make sure you don't okay. believe in any God anywhere. No. What if you if after you died you ran into God? What have you been doing, Richard? I mean, what have you been doing? I've been trying well, to be nice to you. Yeah. I gave you a multi-million dollar paycheck yeah. over and over again with your book, and look what you did. Bertrand Russell was, had that point put to him. He said um, something like, Sir, why did you take such pains to hide yourself? But... That's the you can cut it right there. That's the end of the uh, the, the movie, and uh, Stein goes on. I, I've seen that several times, and and guys, I, I that's the best he's got as to how it started was introducing the possibility of an, of, of a life existing somewhere else on another planet, and depositing a self replicating molecule here on Earth. To that's the that's Richard Dawkins speaking. That's not coffee conversation i mean that and and so so when when dr morland uh sunday said please 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 don't buy into the 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 argument that you know science and and intelligence is over here in atheism and unintelligent and emotional people who need a crutch are over here please 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 don't buy that because he was asked a very simple question where did it all begin and one thing, we, you know, one possibility is aliens depositing a self-replicating molecule here. Either way, you've got to live by faith, right? But if that's my option, as opposed to there's a God of all creation, Genesis 1, who took seven days to make everything that we see around us, at, the, at best it's a wash, it's neutral, but I don't know, it sounds more plausible, especially when we learn about this God who wants to know you personally. Why would the aliens do that is my question. If that's a possibility, I'm asking the next question is why? Why would they do that? For kicks? For fun? For an experiment? Because we have answers over here as to why God did it. And so again, it's a step of faith either way. I, um, that was very interesting. And it seemed as though the more you watched, he kind of disproved his theory in what he said i'm a nurse by trade and i've i've found that people that say that they are atheist in science uh you know people that study science that they will try to prove that god is not real and inevitably prove that he is real then I'm also a Bible teacher, and I've come up against people that will tell me that they're an atheist, and they will do the very thing that he did, which is pull the God of the Old Testament, or pull the God of Job, or pull the God of trials, and, and the God that is fierce, and come up with some understanding that he is not real. And it would be almost like saying that this gentleman in front of me is a poor person because of one aspect of his life. Hmm. When... The God is the God of the whole Bible. Yeah. And we yeah. can't simply just say the God of Job is not the God, but the God of the New Testament, the God of the Old Testament. Anyway, yeah, I could go on It's all for or nothing. Time. That's a good point. Thank you. It is all or nothing. You can't, you can't piecemeal God and to fit what you want. And, and guys, sadly, I think a lot of us uh, in the church, we do that. 
we shy away from difficult passages. Um, does God change his mind? Yes or no? Well, in one passage it says he doesn't. In James 1 that we've studied, it says he doesn't. Uh, it isn't a shifting shadow. And yet we find in Exodus, God's speaking with Moses and there seems to be a conversation where God does change his mind. So how do you rectify the two? So we're not saying that there aren't difficult passages. And nor am I suggesting that when you read the book of Joshua, for instance, and God says to Joshua and the Israelites, go in and wipe out everyone in the promised land, men, woman, and child, and animal, take them all out. It, there's something inside of us that says, well, how, do, how is that? How do you square that? Um, when God tells Joshua to get Achan and his family and to stone them because... They stole from, when Jericho fell down, they stole from, from Jericho, and they shouldn't have. And they go through the whole lottery system. Finally, they land on Achan and his family. Joshua had little to no grace for, for Achan. You have sinned against Israel, and because of that, actually 36 men or so died because they went and fought Ai, and they lost badly. And they thought they would kill everyone in Ai, and they end up running off the hill, and 36 or so men died. And it was because of Achan's sin that God turned his back on Israel. And so the punishment was take you, Achan, and go stone you. No, the punishment was take you and your wife and your sons and your daughters and your oxen and your sheep and everything and go up to the hill and we're going to throw rocks at you till you die. A declarative, a directive from God. Well, that's hard to understand. Um, and so, so we're not saying that the, the God of the Bible isn't confusing. I hope we're not. How, how, how does God wrestle with Jacob and lose? How, how does he do that? <laughs> yeah, so it's, he's got to cheat. <laughs> but how, how do you spend the whole night wrestling with Jacob? And then it says, what, the angel got tired or, or Jacob was winning basically. And so the angel touched his hip socket and blew his hip out. And then it says, right, the next passage is, right, and God said to Jacob, what, you know, blah, blah, blah. The impression is, is that God was wrestling with Jacob. A theophany. God came in the form of a human or an angel and wrestled with Jacob. How do we understand that? I don't get that. I do know this, that because of that, Jews won't eat out of the hip socket, the sinew out of the hip to this day because of that. But I don't understand it. And so what I say to the atheist in, in this particular case is, I'm not disagreeing that there are some challenges with an infinite God and a finite person. But to, to characterize him as he did is to pick and choose. And that's why I thought Stein's question was fair, which was, well, what about the loving, merciful God? Yeah, it's a great point. One thing I kind of wanted to... Um... I guess my comment on that was it's a little interesting about how atheists are so quick to try to disprove that there is a God rather than acknowledge that there is a God, despite the fact that there's proof everywhere that God does exist, whereas they're focusing on trying to disprove God and not accept the fact that they could be wrong. In fact, there is a God. It, 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 and that's a great point. And my question, I guess, is why, why won't you believe there's a God? What is wrong with believing there's a God? What's so wrong about that? And what's the answer? Why, why is it better for me? Why, why would I choose not to believe in God? 
And if you have agnostic or atheistic friends, please ask them that question and be sincere about it. Why won't you believe in God? It's not that he, it's not that he doesn't exist. It's not that I need to prove to you beyond a shadow of a doubt. Really, why won't you believe? What is wrong with believing in a God? And the answer, guys, is simply because if I do, then what do I need to do? Then I need to submit. And once I submit, once I acknowledge that there's a God, then I have to submit to what's written in here. And now we go down the path of this is not my life. I'm a creation, not the creator. And I'm responsible to my creator for whatever he wills in my life. And now we're into the Christian life, basically. We come all the way down to if I believe in God, now I have to subscribe to what does this God want for me in my life? And now I'm going to be forced to make a decision Do I accept what's in here or not? So, long story short, it's just easier for me to to say there isn't a God. Therefore, I don't have to deal with all of the things God wants from me, including, most of all, my life. That's why I think a lot of people don't believe in God. I don't think it's so much that there isn't proof. The proof is overwhelming. I I think it's more so because I know if I do, now I'm accountable. Um, let me give you one more proof. Is it a comment or a question? A couple, let me give you one more proof, though. Can I do that real quick? Okay, thanks. Um, JP talked about these ideas of, um, of um, biological information and creation and moral law argument. Can I give you one more? Why does God exist? Uh, it's simply the experiential argument. The experiential argument simply says... I know that God exists because things have taken place in my life that I have no other answer for than something above me, something supernatural, a higher power directly intervening in my life. I can't prove it empirically, but I, as much as I know that the sun will come up tomorrow, I know this to be true of my life. And we could go around the room tonight and we could probably for many of us give a God story. Not a, well, God, I felt God when I was worshiping tonight. But rather, I needed $500 to pay rent, and it showed up. I, I needed, you know, my leg to be healed, and it was instantly healed. They did an MRI, and the cancer is gone. Something specific and tangible that you cannot conclude with any other reasonable argument other than it had to have come from God. We could go around the room and each of us or many of us in here could have what we, what we would call a God story. And what I'm going to suggest is this tonight. I'm going to suggest that your neighbor or coworker or teammate or, or roommate or um, boyfriend or girlfriend or whomever. I'm not so sure that if I were to prove to them the teleological argument or the cosmological argument or the ontological argument that they would then fall to their knees and, and praise God. Oh, now I know that there has to be a first cause. Oh, now I, I want to know your God. But rather, guys, I think that it, the conversation may go something like, um, you believe in God. So I need to see in your life where God has shown up. You tell me about this God. You tell me about this church you go to. You tell me about this Jesus you serve. Where has it shown up in your life? Where has he tangibly shown up in your life. Tell me a story. 
I trust you. You're my neighbor. You're my friend. You're my coworker. You're my relative. I trust you. I know you wouldn't lie to me. So tell me a God story. And, and, and my heart tonight, guys, is this. Do you have one? Do you have a story that you could share with the agnostic or atheist to say, I, I'm not into science, I'm not into the second law of thermodynamics, but I know this. I know that um, when I prayed for my child, I, I saw God work in my child's life. I saw them healed instantly. I know that when I got fired from my job and I needed a job and I prayed that God would give me a job in this particular field, the very next day that company called me and asked me if I would come work for them. I know that when I was asking God if I should marry this woman or not, God made it extremely clear to both of us that we shouldn't get married. I know that to be true. And you could put a gun to my head and you could take away all my riches and take away my family and threaten me to deny what I know to be true. And I simply just can't do it. I just know that to be true. Do you have a story? Um, if you don't, maybe for two reasons. Maybe it's because um, you don't know God. That could be a reason. You think you know him, but maybe you don't. The second reason may be because we live in a culture and in a day and age where we've made Christianity very, very comfortable. And so many of us live our lives without any sort of dependence on God. We have comfortable jobs, comfortable homes, comfortable livings, and we just look around and say, God, I'm not sure what you would do for me, to be honest with you. I don't see my job as a blessing from you. I don't see my marriage as a blessing from you. I don't see my health as a blessing from you, but rather I take ownership of that. I've done all of those things. I don't see my good grades as a blessing from you. I worked hard for this. And so maybe you're in that category of, I've earned all of this. Yeah, then maybe you won't have a God story. And then when you get into the conversation with your agnostic friend or atheistic neighbor, and they say, well, show me where God's shown up in your life, you step back mentally and think, where has God shown up? And then maybe they start to convince you, you know what, maybe there isn't a God. Because you've done all this yourself. So what I'm asking you guys is simply this tonight. Ephesians 2, I don't know, 4 through 10-ish. But God being rich in his mercy, because of his great love for which he loved us, when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Jesus Christ. And then if you drop down from grace, you've been saved through faith and out of your works. He made us alive with Jesus Christ so that we would be his what? We would be his workmanship. Created in him to do good works. Is God showing up in your life? Because he promises to if you know him. You are a new creation. God didn't start the work in your life by saving you from sin and pulled you out of a life of misery and despair, only then just to leave you be. But rather, he did that so he could actively work in you, present day, right now, doing all kinds of modern day miracles in your life. He may not have extended an arm. He may not have made you the blind see. He may not have made the dead rise in your life. But he's done something in your life that you know, and though you can't prove it, it was from God. Praise God that he does that. Because I've found that that's the most effective testimony to my neighbor or coworker. 
with that, simply in closing, if I get the screen up, what I'd like for us to do over the next week is, here are some words of characteristics of God. Um, Maybe this week, pick one of these. Maybe this week, pick two of them. Whatever ones jump out at you. They're all true, they're all biblical, they're all accurate. And maybe you need to spend time this week, maybe I need to spend time this week, not focusing on all of them, because that would be overwhelming, but pick one or two of them. And maybe this week, just spend some time in in your quiet times or devotions or drives to work or to mom's groups or wherever, and just say, God, uh, I'm going to focus on you being understanding. And God, God, I need you to understand me. And I want to understand you. God, I'm going to focus on you being my redeemer or you being a judge or you being loving. God, help me understand what that means. God, point me to some scriptures that, that, that showcase your attribute here. And God will, will tell you, um, okay, we'll turn to the back and go to your glossary and look up the word and then go to those scriptures and dwell on them. Was that from God? No, that's just using your brain. And then dwell on those scriptures. And I'm convinced, guys, if you and I spend more time doing that, that we will have God's stories. And then we'll have all the confidence in the world to tell our neighbor or friend who may not believe in God or the God of the Bible, I can't prove it to you. I know what happened in my life. And then we share our story with them. Let's pray. Father, you're good. We know that to be true, and you are a mystery, and we know that to be true. And God, I I honestly believe, I think you're okay with us as your creation, as your sons and daughters, as your finite uh, beings, to, to have questions. I pray, Father, for a very sensitive heart to those who don't know you. I pray that those who are seeking... To, to understand more about creation and God and who is he and does he even exist. I pray that we would have very sensitive hearts to that. And Father, that we would very readily, with compassion, share with people the great news of Jesus Christ. We're going to leave it up to you, Father, to change someone's heart. I've never seen someone, God, be won over into the kingdom through an argument. But God, I have seen lots and lots of people have their lives transformed because of you doing a work in them. And so, Father, if we have neighbors or friends or co-workers or spouses or children that are questioning the existence of you, God, would you place that on our hearts this week? Would we pray for those people? We know enough to know that we can do that. And when we do that, the effective prayers of a righteous person will accomplish much. We will watch you at work praise you, Father, that you didn't just spin this world into motion and let us go. But you're active and heavily involved in our, in our daily doings. I pray, Father, that when we receive blessings throughout the day, we'd be quick to give you credit. I pray, Father, when tragedy or trials hit our life, that we'd be quick to lean on you. We will see you at work. We trust that it, that will happen even this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we'll see you next week. Uh, We'll uh, talk Mormonism next week.